Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Dr. Robert Garofalo is a physician and leads divisions on adolescent HIV services and adolescent medicine at Ann and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital in Chicago. While he had become experienced with teaching his patients how to cope with HIV, when Rob learned that he himself was positive late in 2010, his life took a turn. He was able to find strength, however, through the adoption of his Yorkie, who he started a nonprofit charity after called Fred Says, which supports organizations across the U.S. that care for HIV-positive youth. The other guest is actually someone that we've had on the show before, fine art dog photographer Jesse Frieden. For the past 15 years, his portraiture has studied the deeply healing power of the human and dog bond, telling a contemporary story of companionship and love that truly honors the roles dogs play in our lives. So Robert and Jesse, welcome to Dog Save the People. I'm so glad to have you. And first of all, Jesse, we've had you on the show before, so it's a real thrill to have you back. So you guys have uh, collaborated on a project, which we will talk about. But Robert, I wanted to kind of dive into your story a little bit first and how you ended up adopting Fred. You know, I've led a pretty privileged life. You know, I mean, that's the truth. I, you know, grew up in a supportive family. I'm a physician. I, you know, I, I was never really sick. And then in a, when I turned about 40 in a, in a period of about 15 months, um, I had a cancer diagnosis and um, that was really traumatic for me. And then I was the victim of sort of an assault, included being sort of physically and sexually sort of victimized in some way. And as a result of that assault, I, I was diagnosed with HIV myself. And so that was just a really difficult period in my life. You know, I, I don't know that any one of those things would have in and of themselves devastated me, but combined together, particularly the HIV diagnosis, I think brought me to a point where I wasn't sure how I was going to get through another day. You know, I've worked with HIV my entire life, right? And I mean, I've spent my career teaching other people to have self-compassion and to love themselves and all the things that I found very difficult to do for myself in that moment. You know, I, I couldn't help but sort of wallow in this sense of like isolation and pity and fear. Yeah. I had this crazy thought, which was like, maybe I should get a dog. <laughs> I had never had a dog before or a pet. I didn't know how to take care of a dog, but I Googled Puppy Chicago and I popped this picture of who turned out to be Fred. And I, in that moment, I just had to have him and found myself with this beautiful living creature that just was the anecdote to like everything that sort of plagued me in that moment. People that I know that have been dealing with HIV, dogs, pets, have provided a very unusual and very, very special role in their lives. And as you were mentioning before, your dog kind of pulled you back into the world again. There is something special about a dog that does remove yourself from yourself, right? It takes you, like you said, out of your head and it brings you back to some very primal sort of activities of sort of daily living and, and just a focus on a sense of engagement and positivity that I think I would have been very difficult for me to do on my own. Sometimes those wounds are really hard to heal, but my dog never sees me as damaged, right? I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't see that person or he doesn't care. 
you know, after those experiences, for me, my dog brought peace and joy, you know, back to my life. Now, Rob, you'd also mentioned that Fred has been there for you, not only to kind of take you out of yourself, but also in many ways to uh, as a support companion while you've been at home and just through the night and things like that. Is there anything that you can tell us about his his compassion or the way that he knows to take care of you, to be there for you? Yeah, I mean, after you experience an assault and cancer, it's really hard to feel safe, like wherever you are. And it seems weird to have like a one pound Yorkie make you feel safe in your space, right? Because he's certainly no, you know, watchdog (laughs) or, you know, like protector. But there's something about the energy of a dog that takes up this positive space that I never felt alone. Yeah. Fred's a little bit like quirky, which is one, I mean, all dogs are quirky, right? He's a little cat-like. So I can't say that he's the most like affectionate or like lap dog, but with me, he's very, I feel like not quick to like pass judgment in a negative way, but he's quick to really check me if I'm there to go down a rabbit hole. He's there to like provide me with a look, a glance, a little noise or something that reminds me that I need to be present, that I need to like be engaged. You know, one of the things again, that I, I say in the book is it's not just like get a dog and things get magically better in your life. Right. Like, I mean, I've really struggled over the years with things like addiction and recovery that have, you know, really challenged me. And it's not like, oh, you get a dog and it all gets better. But the dog is like a, plays a central role in reminding me to like surround myself with good things and good people to make better choices. Sometimes when you can't make them for yourself, you will still make them for your dog. I have this profound commitment. It's not something that I would ever jeopardize. Well, the relationship and what you're talking about, it's like it's non-negotiable and they're so dependent on us. Like it just, I have to, I have to pull myself out of bed and I got to, I got to show up for them. And cause it's just, they, they depend on us. So tell me a little bit, Rob, about, uh, Fred says, you know, once I started to get better, I mean, my mother joked, she's like, why don't you just go on vacation? But that's not really like me. I decided that like, once I started to get better, I really wanted to like create something that gave something back to the world the way Fred had yes. given me life. Well, I read this story about Boo on Facebook, and I don't know if you know Boo, but he has like 19 million fans, and I read this story that he like raised an ungodly amount of money by leveraging his Facebook social media presence. And so I was like, my dog is cuter than Boo, and so I decided that I would try to make Fred this social media presence and then leverage it to raise money for adolescents that that are affected by HIV. And so I started a nonprofit charity called Fred Says that Uh, I think I started in 2013. Again, very grassroots. It's just me. And my niece, Christina, who's one of the co-authors on this book, like just she and I have basically, you know, worked together on this nonprofit over the years. And we've given back, I think, over $300,000, you know, not nothing, you know, it's so we've... Yeah. So I want to talk about the book in a second, but now I'm going to kind of bring in Jesse... And again, Jesse, thank you again for joining us. We, you and I had a, had a lovely conversation through the years, really, about your work. And can you just remind our listeners a little bit more about how uh, you became involved in photographing dogs specifically? First of all, this When Dog Seal is a really good culmination of why I'm interested in photographing dogs. But I started about almost 15 years ago. I was really fascinated with 
why people were so attached to their dogs. I hadn't even gotten my own dog at that point. Yeah. But what I saw from the very, very beginning of sort of needing a, a quick job and working in a dog daycare was that dogs were bringing so much joy and healing and a way of grounding us. I got to observe that every day. And then I started my photography um, career. And you know, for the past 15 years, I, from the outside, it does look like I am doing private commissions. I work kind of all over the country and take photographs for people of their dogs and really tell their story. But really what I'm doing is observing the human condition and, and studying unconditional love. And that's what kind of keeps me going. I love it. So I wanted to hear a little bit more about uh, Rob and Jesse. How did you guys meet? I would love, I want to hear the story. You can tell the first part of it, Jesse. And that's, okay. But I was really sitting in some random meeting with the human rights campaign with HRC in yeah. Washington, D.C. And sitting next to me was this man that happened to be Jesse's father. And so I had literally just adopted Fred and had like a bazillion photos of Fred on my computer. And Jesse's father leaned over and said, oh, you know, my son is one of like the nation's finest pet photographers. And he lives in San Francisco and you should meet him. Oh my God. And I happened to be going to San Francisco like for work, I think maybe a few weeks later. And so I reached out to Jesse and Jesse and I did this photo shoot, which Jesse can talk about. But, you know, all, all my clients have different stories and all my clients have deep connections with their dogs, but could tell that Rob and Fred had something really special. And we just, over the years, have kind of kept in touch and developed a friendship. And then we were talking a little bit more about um, Rob's experience dealing with his own illness and really him being honest about how Fred has helped him along the way. We were just sort of brainstorming, I think, and came up with this phrase, like, when dogs heal. And it seemed to really encompass like how, you know, what really the, the impetus was behind the charity, right? And so what started off, I think, as a very grassroots, small, I think we envisioned, you know, doing a photo shoot or two, you know, it wasn't like we, we started with this grand idea of having a book, you know, we, we were thinking about some very small, maybe fundraising type events in Chicago or San Francisco, where Jesse was living, but, you know, I, and Jesse can maybe speak to this more, but I think once we started See, meeting these people who are not easy to find in some ways, you know, right? It was like you had to find someone that was HIV positive, that had a dog, that was open about their HIV, that had a story to tell. Like finding them was not easy. But once they were found, like the stories that these people told were profoundly moving. And I think it was pretty quick that we looked at one another and thought, like, you know, this is special, right? These people are special. It was no longer like a story about Fred and I, you know, and I'm really careful in the book. You know, we're the last story, not the first, mm. not the most important story. I wanted like Linnea's story to be told and Paolo's story to be told. And that's what made the book special. So tell me about Linnea and Paolo in particular. What, are, what about their stories? Paolo, I know for many, many years, his story is really jarring, I think, because he... Um, is a Hurricane Katrina evacuee who found himself like on the streets of Chicago and acquired HIV in some really traumatic ways. And I've, I've known him for many years and I, I saw how adopting his dog really was such a positive and powerful impetus for change in his own life. Um, Linnea, I, we got, I think, some random association of case managers in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. But Linnea is someone who, I mean, her image is, I mean, Jesse's photograph of Linnea is one of my favorites. It's this 
you know, she, her story is really about like intimate partner violence and her dog was helpful in, in her setting boundaries for her and her daughter, who is also in the photo. You know, each story brings it back to the power these dogs had in having these people overcome and survive and thrive. There comes a moment in each story where there's this shift to this sense of affirmation and this sense of growth and this sense of personal strength that the dog saw them through a, a different lens that was pure and loving. Beautiful. I think there's something also that, um, that unites all the stories in the book and all of our own personal stories with dogs and all of the work that I have been doing over all these years is that if we can love a dog, it helps us love ourselves. I think that's kind of like the foundational concept that I have been studying for all my work for all these years. So many of us bring a lot of complicated, traumatic things. We believe that the society has told us that we should be outcasts, etc., for a multitude of reasons and whatever experiences we have. And then like Rob said, in my own experience and your experience, John, you know, you get a dog and you learn to love that dog unconditionally. And then you're like, well, I need to love myself unconditionally. And they become this vehicle. And I think that is an incredibly powerful and fascinating part about my job and this book. Yeah. I wanted to mention something. So my husband um, who had passed away, he had come from a pretty difficult um, background and he wanted to get a dog so bad, but he was afraid. He was really afraid to get a dog because he wasn't sure if he would be able to take care of the dog or if he might hurt the dog somehow because he came from, you know, some, some violence and the dog taught him that he w- that he was able to to be a loving person, that, and that again it turned it back on himself, and and that he was worth loving, and that he was that he could value life and be valued. Yeah, I think that's a really amazing for like worth loving, right? I mean, I think so many of the participants in the book, I'm almost I would say the majority of the stories, and I think it's again consistent with what the stigma that surrounds HIV, right? Is you begin to believe, whether it's true or not, that you are unlovable. Yes. And I think in each of these stories, or many of them, the dog, you know, reminds people of all the amazing things that are lovable about each and every one of us. Yes. Beautiful. For me, what was always so exciting was to, A, you know, our job is to build trust with these people. They didn't know us, and we had to build trust. And I said, photographer that's one of the most exciting challenging parts is building trust with them and acknowledging the reality of their stories that they sort of told me as we were photographing and then creating a photograph that was pure joy that there was joy exuding out of the image because certainly my goal as a visual artist was to take the story and remove the stigma and show that hiv is still a very present you know illness that's going on it should not be forgotten it makes this book, I think, really special. You know, as someone who's in the HIV field, there aren't a lot of books written about HIV that are grounded in a sense of positivity and love and life that this book is. So the book is called When Dogs Heal, Powerful Stories of People Living with HIV and the Dogs That Saved Them. And gentlemen, so the book is coming out uh, momentarily, yes? Yeah, on uh, March 2nd. I was just going to ask you where we'll be able to find the book certainly is, of course, available um, on Amazon, 
Um, we have a website, which is whendogsheal.org, and that has some links to buy the book from brick-and-mortar stores, but we also want to support some local stores. Um, yeah. There's going to be information on the website about our virtual book tour, so we'll be doing some great book talks, you know, virtually all over the country. Oh, that's great. That's good. And I love some of the imagery that I saw when I went to the website. And uh, how about on social media? Do you guys have a presence on Instagram or on social media? Uh, our Instagram account is just when dogs heal. Okay. We'll be sharing, you know, some snippets of stories and photos. And also I'm hoping we can encourage other people that aren't in the book, whether they're you know, experiencing HIV or other chronic illnesses to share how their dogs have helped them and kind of make yes. this an open conversation. I love the idea of it becoming a forum because I think right. so many people uh, are going to relate to this. I do believe this message is in some ways specific to those of us that have HIV, but broader in that it really, I think, speaks to sort of a lot of, a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. And then Rob, we can find, and Fred, you said has a, has quite a following on social media as well. Yeah, so Fred has, uh, and and his social media will also pivot to sort of promote the book. But yeah. Fred says S A Y S is uh, is his uh, Facebook and Instagram. I'm so honored to be speaking to both of you about this super beautiful and important topic and book. I can't wait to see it and get it. I felt like this interview with Jesse and Robert, Dr. Bob, was very emotional. I was very moved, and I know that Dr. Bob was also very moved as we were speaking because we're talking about some really tough issues. And having moved to New York in the 80s when the HIV crisis was at its most devastating, and I remember many of my friends who were struggling and some of them dying with AIDS and HIV whose dogs really were there for them, who changed their lives. So for me, this was a very personal interview and something that I was really so happy to be able to speak about with Dr. Bob and with Jesse. What an amazing project they've created. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It is made with the support of executive producer Scott Benaglio and our producer and editor Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor Daniel Lampert for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at Dog Save the People, Facebook at Dog Save the People Podcast, and Twitter at Dog Save the PPL. We have a new gift shop on the DogSaveThePeople.com website with our first line of show merchandise that includes super soft t-shirts. We are also happy to say that the shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, have also been added to the DogSaveThePeople.com gift shop. Profits from these t-shirts will be going to support independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, you can reach out to us on our website or on social media or email us at dogsavethepeople at gmail.com. New episodes come out every other Tuesday, so see you next week for another episode from Dog Save the People. Thank you.